Hello everyone, welcome to this podcast from the Royal College of Anaesthetists. My name's Emma Hosking. I'm an Associate Medical Director for Clinical Professional Development in Betsy Cadwallader University Health Board, which is in North Wales. I'm also an anaesthetist, of course, and I'm one of the vice chairs of the AXA committee, as well as an active AXA reviewer. AXA is the college's voluntary scheme, which engages anaesthesia departments in quality improvement through peer review. The scheme is open to NHS and independent sector organisations across the UK, with participating departments being reviewed against a set of standards based on the college's guidelines for the provision of anaesthetic services, which we tend to refer to as GPAS. This year, we're really excited because we've reached a 74% engagement rate of the UK's trusts and health boards that provide anaesthetic services. Right now, there are 41 departments who've successfully gained accreditation, with many more going through the review process. Today, I'm joined by two AXA leads of departments, Dr. Tony Shambrook from Asbiti Gwyneth in Bangor, whose department gained accreditation earlier this year, and Dr. Ewan McGregor, the AXA lead at the Royal Infirmary of Edinburgh, whose department is currently going through the accreditation process. In AXA's first ever podcast, we are going to be talking about the experience of each of these departments, in particular, how they've continued to engage in this quality improvement process, despite the challenges of the pandemic. We will also explore how the college has adopted a hybrid model of delivery. So firstly, welcome Dr. Tony Shambrook. Can we start um, by asking you to provide us with an overview of when and how your department at Esbitty Gwyneth became engaged with AXA? Uh, thanks, Emma. The, um, the idea of our department gaining AXA accreditation uh, started with one of our consultants, Ian Johnson. Uh, as part of his college work, he'd been doing some of the AXA assessment visits at various hospitals, and he recognised its value. So our department actually applied to start the process, and it did start in summer of 2016. I wasn't involved at the time because I was busy with a senior management role, uh, but then I retired and returned to a purely clinical role and Ian asked me to be the department lead for AXA. He said, uh, a lot of work's already been done. I wouldn't have to do any work myself. I just have to delegate appropriately. And I took him at his word. It wasn't long before I realised exactly what huge task this was going to be. Uh, I asked around the department uh, for those people who'd been involved and uh, a lot of them had done a lot of work on it, but some were quite frustrated that others had put the issues down to the bottom of their to-do pile. So having assessed the issues, I formulated a bit of a cunning plan. So the first thing I did was to get everybody in the department organised and involved and engaged. I did a presentation at one of our weekly meetings and after a quick reminder of what AXA was all about, I explained that we had 140 standards that we had to achieve and secondly, having achieved them, we had to provide evidence that we were doing so to the college. This was going to be a huge task and it would require a large organised team. So I was happy to organise it and collate it and support it, but there were so many standards that everybody would have to take a fair share of the work and the responsibility. If all the consultants at this meeting didn't commit to it as a body, then we wouldn't continue. And I did point out we were spending something like £2,000 a year uh, to be allowed to do the process with the college. And I said, the reason we should do it is if we succeeded, we'd know that we're giving the best evidence-based care that we could to our patients, and we could be proud of that. And we'd be the first hospital in Wales probably to do it, 
because nobody else had done it in Wales. And there was less than 10% of departments in the UK had done it at the time as well. If we didn't take on the challenge, then we may still be providing a substandard care and not even realising it. I was basically challenging the pride of the department, being pretty confident they'd uh, man up or woman up uh, constructively. I was fortunate and lucky that I'm part of a very functional, excellent department. And each consultant's already got designated roles, such as leader for equipment or the obstetric lead or A&E. So it was, it was a good starting point. So my plan then started with printing out a hard copy of the AXA Excel spreadsheet, which detailed all the different standards. I placed this in a folder in my office and I told all the consultants, there's about 20 of them at the time, that they needed to put their names down to be responsible for about seven standards each to fit the whole 140. I gave them two weeks to do this and I said that if after two weeks there are any standards which didn't have any names against them, I would randomly allocate these standards to those consultants who didn't have enough. So after two weeks, uh, all 140 odd were signed up to by the various consultants uh, to do the work. And all I had to do was collate it. So I explained to them that I wanted them to give me all their evidence and email it to me in a format that I could alter if appropriate. And if they needed any help or clarification, then they should come and see me or Ian. Uh, and if we couldn't help them, we'd get hold of the college advisor for advice. Having thought about it, I wanted to set up a system and a process that everybody understood. It needed to be a long-term quality improvement process, not a quick fix to get a plaque and then be forgotten about. I felt it was a great thing to do and I needed to make sure that anybody could continue after me with doing the process and the collation and everything else when I retired. So to collate and organize the evidence, I used standard software that anybody could use rather than anything complicated, web-based or a personalized database. I organized the AXA Excel spreadsheet on our department server by adding a few columns. I allocated the names of the consultants to different standards. I also put in a column to be able to rag rate each standard so as to whether it had been met or it hadn't been met or it was just work in progress. I also produced another spreadsheet. This was populated by the rag ratings on the standard spreadsheet. It showed a summary of which consultants were allocated to which standards. It also showed whether their standards had gone green yet. I published this most weeks so that all the consultants could see how they were doing and also, more importantly, to compare how they were doing compared to their colleagues. It's classic peer pressure. It's a bit of carrot and stick, uh, but it also kept the issue of accent continuously topical so that it was on uh, everybody's agenda all the time. I also did an Excel graphic of how well we were doing as a department. It was a thermometer coloured with rag ratings, a bit like those used for a charity appeal. We printed this out each week and it went on the notice board and bit by bit it turned more and more green as we achieved more and more of the standards. We also put it with the AXA Star of the Week pictures in the weekly newsletter and this was emailed around the department every week. The idea was to make sure that AXA was at the top not at the bottom of the people's to-do list. Uh, I'd have to say that uh, things have moved on a bit and if people want to use the same system I did, then that's, that's, that's fine. Alternatively, I'd have to say the college has produced a, a very good web-based system now so that people can put their own evidence for their personal hospital onto the college uh, AXA website and uh, that's a, working very well apparently. 
Uh, I've not used it, but I've been told it's very good. So people should look at that and, um, uh, and get themselves organised. Okay, Dr. Ewan McGregor, um, thanks for joining us today. Um, we've heard a bit from Tony about how, how it got started for him in, in his bitty Gwyneth, but how, how did you get started in Edinburgh with this process? So uh, I think it was probably a, a similar kind of time scale in terms of uh, Tony, it was probably back in 2016. And that was actually uh, the year I was I was appointed as a consultant. And it was one of the uh, first uh, tasks that were, were uh, offered to me as a, as I took up my my post as a consultant, um, and I think in advance of that there had again similar to what Tony was saying. I think there had been attempts and some efforts made to engage with the AXA process before that, um, and I think again they'd probably come up against a few hurdles, a few challenges, um, and maybe been slightly overwhelmed by by the scale of the task at that time. Um, and and I, I think in contrast to how well Tony, I think, approached this uh, initially by getting the full department engaged. I think I can probably serve as a as a an example of how not really as supposed to to attempt the AXA process by trying to do it pretty much single-handedly, uh, which really just resulted in a lot of time and effort spent and not a huge amount of progress being made um, over over a, a fair bit of time. You know, despite my best efforts. Um, so after a year or two of, of, of making not a huge amount of headway, uh, doing the bits that I could, uh, actually we had a bit of a change of leadership uh, within our department. Um, and, I, and so I, I met with, with the, my, the new clinical director who is a very close colleague working in, in the same kind of uh, vascular anesthesia. Um, and we, we, we sat down and discussed this and actually came up with a much better uh, much more comprehensive plan as to how we as a big department were going to tackle this. So there were many more uh, clinical leads appointed. Uh, there were, was a much bigger team. There was much more opportunity to try and, uh, again, as Tony mentioned, try and keep the keep AXA on the agenda at regular department meetings. Um, and, and actually that change, you know, from a very unrealistic way of tackling this problem to a much more... Uh, organized, uh, methodical, uh, much more in the way of people in the department getting involved, uh, then we actually started to make some some real progress. Um, so yeah, so that, that I suppose that that maybe as they serves as, as an example of how, how not to necessarily approach it, uh, but we, we learned that lesson after a bit of time and then came up with a much better solution as to, to how to, uh, to continue to make progress on AXA. That's great. Thank you. So it, it sounds like both of you are saying something quite similar, which is that it's, this isn't a job for one individual, but it's something that needs to be distributed amongst the department. And it's a really good thing for the clinical leads for various different areas to take ownership of um, so that you've got a realistic prospect of, of being able to meet the standards. Definitely. OK, that, that's great. Thank you for that. Um, how did you find it when you were trying to figure out whether you were meeting the standards or not at the very early stages, you know, we sometimes refer to that as a gap analysis. How how did that? How was that for you? That that was um, that was quite a challenge, really. And I suppose um, a number of colleagues would would then uh, come to me asking for for me to make a decision or to try and give guidance as to whether uh, a certain piece of work, a certain policy, a certain guideline was. You know, was this is this good enough for AXA? 
Um, and throughout the whole process, I've always tried to um, make people think, you know, of, of a bigger picture of not just doing things for for the purposes of accreditation, but to try and make uh, these documents and guidelines as meaningful and useful as as possible. Um, we certainly had uh, had access to uh, a kind of mentor, a, a previous, uh, you know, a, a colleague who had been through the process before, um, and so I was able to ask uh, them uh, some uh, some points and for some guidance. But actually, the college representatives were fantastically helpful as well. So often, I'd, I would go straight to Hannah and the team. Um, for clarification, for guidance, for some examples of, of what might be available. And now with the with the good practice library being set up that, that can be accessed by the departments, there, there are more resources available to give some reassurance that what you're developing is useful and hopefully that you are achieving or you're, you're, you can uh, meet the standards. Fantastic, thank you. So I'm gonna come back to Tony now. Um, because Tony's had the experience of, of having um, the visit and then being uh, set a series, given a series of recommendations. Um, and I'm, I wonder, Tony, how was it um, working on providing that evidence um, that you'd, you'd met the standards once you'd had the visit from the AXA team? Well, the AXA team, I've got to say, was very professional and, um, uh, and they recognised straight away a way it was obvious that they understood what a big job it was and so they were uh, they were very supportive from that point of view but uh, when it came to had you met the conditions and the standards they, they were very straight about it as well so that's exactly what you want and the um, I'd have to say that the uh, department had actually by that stage put in uh, a lot of effort so and we knew also there were some things that we just couldn't um, reach these standards, uh, some of them, such as uh, we knew we were about to get a, uh, a load more new equipment, which would have fitted the standards uh, with, uh, the, from example, monitoring. And we knew that was on the way a year later, but we hadn't actually got the money for it and things. So there was, there was things like that that were in the pipeline. So uh, we recognised we had to look at it as a process so when the, the uh, AXA team turned up, uh, it turned out to be uh, very helpful because there was a number of things that we decided we had met and they turned around and said, actually haven't, but then they clarified why. And the other way around as well, there were some things who were thinking, actually, I'm not sure we've got enough information or evidence for this. And they said, no, no, that's, that's, um, that's quite satisfactory. So, uh, and the, there was, it wasn't, um, uh, so much a, a straightforward dictatorial assessment as a very supportive uh, system that was uh, really helpful and it just put us into a position there where we knew exactly what we had to do and then it was a question of having organised who was doing what, um, getting down to the, the final uh, standards that we hadn't reached and dealing with those. So it was, uh, it was very, very positive, uh, but they were, they were very professional. Great. And, and did you find that the recommendations that came out of that visit were helpful in terms of engaging your organisation to support improvements that you'd perhaps been struggling to get across the line? Well, yes, the, uh, there were some simple things that we thought were obvious, such as uh, the monitoring. Uh, we had good monitoring in theatres, good monitoring in uh, the recovery, 
but in between uh, we didn't have any uh, mobile monitors if you like so going from theatres where you've got somebody anaesthetised and taking them out to recovery uh, the monitoring was just the, the anaesthetist uh, which really isn't the best uh, so getting those was very good the other thing they pointed out which we hadn't appreciated uh, was that we didn't have that many capnographs in the recovery and so people were turning up with laryngeal masks in who'd been uh, having their capnography monitored as, as appropriate all the way through theatre and then after that they weren't and that seemed really um, crazy so we were able on the back of that to point all this out and the whole department realised it was uh, it would be better so uh, we did then quite quickly get quite a lot more capnographs in recovery I think it's been helped as well in some ways, although COVID's been very bad. Uh, COVID has uh, allowed certain funds to be released here and there, and uh, more so than previously. And so we, we were able to get certain equipment, uh, such as gliderscopes and, and various other things, in a, a more easy manner than we had done before. So it's, it's the, the COVID side of things made life very difficult in some ways, but it also uh, I think helps uh, with certain opportunities as well. Thanks, Tony. You um, and moving moving back to you. Um, whereas Tony's uh, experience was all kind of sort of standard traditional AXA, um, in your case, uh, you you've had a you're in the process of a hybrid assessment in that you've had your classroom sessions, but your your in-person visit isn't due until December. So I'm interested in, in how that's been, how it's been to kind of interact remotely with the AXA reviewers as opposed to having them actually right in front of you. How has that felt? Sure. Um, yeah, I think we were we were, we were building up to uh, a, a visit uh, in June of 2020, obviously, as, as COVID hit. Um, so uh, I was approached again by, by Hannah from the college just with the idea that could we embark upon uh, a, a more hybrid type approach and see what we could do uh, virtually and and you know by that point we'd all been utilizing Microsoft Teams and things much more readily uh, all lots of department meetings and everything were taking place online so uh, we were we were very excited to be given that opportunity to 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 try this new way of of uh, you know taking part in the AXA inspection process but also very keen to try and maintain the momentum that we'd built towards that June kind of deadline we were you know that was a big driver at lots of the meetings lots of reminders that this was happening at this time and we really didn't want to then lose that momentum that we'd gained um, in terms of the actual the sessions we had one in February and then one in June the February session really uh, was a great opportunity for us to highlight standards that we had some reservations around and the review team themselves then highlighted some additional standards that they wanted to discuss with us but my my department my colleagues my clinical director were phenomenally impressed with the review team with the level of detail that they'd gone into in terms of the the reading of all the information that had been provided the the kind of insightful questions the kind of challenging uh you're challenging us but in, in a very positive way uh, so we, we found that experience uh, fantastically helpful we were we were given some uh, guidance as to where to go next we were given some assurances that we were on the right lines with with some areas that we'd been a bit uncertain about um, and and yes it really helped clarify the kind of ongoing needs and the, and the development areas that we had um, our second session was in June and that 
those sessions where we were able to then bring the trainees, bring uh, our colleagues that we work with closely, our nursing staff, midwives, recovery nurses. Um, so, you know, that was again very useful. I think um, some of my uh, non-medical colleagues got quite nervous about that session. Potentially they were a bit worried that the, the classic thing with ACSA is that people are worried that they're going to cause us to fail, you know, it's on their an individual's shoulders, which is obviously not the case. Um, but I think the the, the team the, the team has found that very useful, and the feedback from each of those sessions was fantastically helpful. Um, so we're very much looking forward to our on-site inspection visit in December. We're we're very proud of our department. We're proud of the the service that we offer. And again, as, as Tony mentioned before. Um, there's, there's always an assumption that you're you're doing a good job, but without actually holding yourself up to these standards and being measured against them, then you don't have that assurance that you are doing that. Um, so we're we're very much looking forward to the the team visiting. We're hopeful to to show off uh, some of the things that we have. Excellent, thank you very much. Um, and Tony, uh, huge congratulations because. Um, as Bitty Gwyneth not only managed to accredit in the midst of a, of a pandemic, um, but you're also the first department in, in Wales to have done so. Um, we saw a lovely photo, a socially distanced photograph of your department outside with your accreditation plaque. Um, what's gaining accreditation meant to your department? How do you think it's affected services? I think for starters, the, the process has been uh, worthwhile because uh, we now could be pretty assured that we're, we are giving it a good service and uh, the bits where we were lacking, uh, we've improved on. And I think it is a process. We're going to be seen by uh, the AXA team again in years to come and hopefully we'll carry on with this so that as the uh, AXA standards uh, carry on progressing and uh, stay appropriate, then we'll be able to easily say that we're, we're up to speed on this. I think that also once we've done the process, uh, it's we know exactly how to do it as well and how to engage with the college. And the college is, is giving uh, better web-based uh, support as well. The, uh, the, the, the AXA teams, uh, I, I believe, as you say, are getting more hybrid now in the way they are assessing things, which I think is good. Uh, I think the... Uh, as a whole, the department's really quite proud of itself, and, and rightly so. So, and I think that in times of COVID, any sort of boost to morale has got to be uh, a good thing to do. Uh, I think it's good from the point of view of the trainees as well. The trainees were very pleased about the fact that they're part of a department, and the the trainees have, in a lot of ways, had a, a much uh, strange time for their training with the COVID side of things. They're doing a lot of ITU and not so much anaesthetics at times. And it's, it's really good for them to know that they're actually part of a good department and uh, they know as well that the training and everything else is, is good and the standards that we're providing are excellent as well. So I think it's a whole department really is very proud of itself. Even the, um, so to speak, the, uh, the secretaries who uh, support us in lots of ways with um, the Excel spreadsheets and all sorts of uh, communication issues uh, were obviously very happy about the whole thing as well. So I, I think it's it's uh, absolutely worth doing. Uh, it's a lot of work, but like in a lot of things in life, uh, if things are very easy, they're not usually that worthwhile. It's uh, it's the difficult things that you uh, achieve where you look back on it and you think that was a really valuable thing to do. 
Thank you. And Ewan, have you got any advice for departments who are considering engaging with AXA? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think certainly from from our own experiences, we could we could offer some suggestions as to how to how to approach things. Um, I think as Tony mentioned, really, um, it's a big decision. It's a big commitment, um, and so before embarking upon it, I think a plan has to be put in place as to how how you're going to tackle, how you're going to divide up all of the standards. Uh, to make sure that it's not too overwhelming for any one or two individuals. It's got to be, you know, a department, uh, you know, target, a department uh, aspiration um, so that everyone is involved with it. So I think that is the main thing, um, full kind of departmental support, full engagement, um, distribution of the workload amongst as many participants as you can manage, regular regular meetings, regular updates to the, the department on progress that's being made, um, trying to maintain it as a high profile agenda item on, on uh, for for meetings. And and I think you know going through the process actually you can identify a number of improvements that are happening throughout your department as you as you start to tackle some problems, as you start to improve some areas, as you start to put some processes in place that weren't there originally you start to notice some immediate benefits uh, of of engagement with the process. So the, you know, the accreditation and everything at the end of it is is nice, but the whole journey and whole process is is probably the most valuable part of the the AXA uh, journey, I suppose. Yes, I think the first ever AXA review I did, that was exactly what that department said. It was it felt like a journey, and it it felt like. Um, a real process that had been both challenging but extremely rewarding at the end. So I want to thank you both very much, Tony and Ewan, for, for joining me today to share your experience of engaging with AXA. And I'm really sure that this, this your experience of having been there, done it and still doing it will be valuable to our listeners. So I just want to round up by explaining the next steps for the AXA scheme and a bit about how departments can get involved. As highlighted during our discussions, the College has continued to support the AXA process throughout the pandemic by adopting a hybrid model of delivery in order to complete parts of the review process that can be done remotely. Due to the nature of the AXA standards, and as Tony referred to, the accreditation process will always need to include an on-site review. And for reviewers, that's, that's one of the most rewarding aspects. You learn so much as a reviewer by going to other hospitals. The AXA committee are going to continue to monitor how the current review process is working and will adapt and evolve it as the pandemic progresses. The AXA team are continuing to work with engaged departments in a flexible manner and providing as much support as possible. So you may be listening to this podcast and be interested in how to engage your department with AXA. Earlier this year, we launched our online portal, which you can register for for free. Registering holds no obligations at all, and it allows you to complete a gap analysis, to upload evidence, and to easily access GPAS references and any good practice library examples under each standard. Multiple users from your department can be assigned to your portal account, which, as we've been hearing, is very helpful when you want to distribute the workload. And this really generates um, an opportunity for collaborative working. The portal streamlines our review process as it makes submitting your self-assessment and other documentation much simpler. You'll find a link to register on our website at www.rcoa.ac.uk/axa.
There's also lots of other general information about the AXA scheme available on the college website. I'd like to encourage you to get in touch with the extremely friendly AXA team if you have any questions. They can be contacted on axa at rcoa.ac.uk. They can offer support such as delivering a virtual presentation to build up buy-in from colleagues within your wider department. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to this Royal College of Anaesthetists podcast. Make sure you don't miss out on the latest episodes by clicking subscribe on your favourite podcatcher. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you give us a review. It helps others find our podcast. And finally, if you would like to access more podcasts, as well as videos, e-learning, webinars, and our programme of events and courses, you can find them all online at rcoa.ac.uk forward slash education. We hope to see you again soon. Please note, all views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not those of the Royal College of Anaesthetists.